Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Melody Jackson, CEO and founder of Smart Girls Productions, has been working with individuals to market them in the film industry for over 20 years. As a global personal brand creator, she helps actors, screenwriters, filmmakers, and experts distinguish, identify, and establish their brands online and in their marketing collateral. Everyone who has a dream to touch others has a valuable message. Crafting that message and creating a strategy for spreading it in a consumable way is how Melody helps you. Carol, I understand that Melody has been a donor to your film grants for about 15 years now, right? Yes, it's wonderful. Melody is an integral part of our Dean Grant, and I sincerely thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So I just love your website, smartg.com. I was amazed. It's full of free information and hot lists of things that actors and screenwriters need to know. Uh, at Smart Girl Production, you give away so many free reports, Melody. I was really impressed. Lots of information on there for actors, screenwriters, and filmmakers. And I know your focus is on helping people with your marketing services and also in training and educating them on marketing themselves to Hollywood. Is that correct? Yes, that's what we do. Okay, well, over these uh, the, the years that you've been working with many of the winners of the Roy Dean Documentary Film Grant, they've expressed what a difference you've made for them in bringing your marketing savvy. Last year, you helped one of our winners on her Indiegogo campaign, and she said that you guys had a blast and you helped her tremendously. Yes, that was Elizabeth Chair on her film, Penny. Of course, you know that. And it was just so much fun. You know, she was so great in the way that we would work together to really create whatever strategy. I would throw ideas out to her, and she would, because she knew the market that she was targeting with the film, then she would say, Well, I don't think that will sit well with them. And then she'd give me an idea, and or she would tell me something, and I would say, No, that's too this. So, really working together between her knowing her audience. And me knowing marketing, it was just this dynamic duo. We had a blast, and she met her goals, and it, it's just been fabulous. So I just really enjoyed working with her. And you did, you guys do such a great job in picking out these projects. They're always so touching. Oh, I'm so thankful that you like them. We do, too. We were really pleased with her. But that's a special thing to be able to help people with marketing on Indiegogo because um, marketing sometimes is not what filmmakers want to hear. That's (laughs) right, yeah. It's where's the money? Well, you have to market first. Oh, my gosh, they they get very upset. But I really thank you for what you did with Penny and Elizabeth. 
And I know you're a wealth of information on marketing. So what I'd like to do today is to have you touch on a variety of tips from various reports and guides that you give away so that our listeners can get a broad sense of what you offer. And, of course, the listeners can go to your website and get the full guide or article. But uh, let's get started with seven ways that actors go wrong and how to do it right. What are a couple of mistakes that you see a lot of actors make in their marketing, and how can they correct them? Okay, yeah, and so I guess, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll just pick a, a couple of tips that come to mind here. Um, one of the things that I see, and, and it's so true what you say, Carol, that that artists, filmmakers, actors, screenwriters, they they really don't relate to, they relate to marketing as something completely separate from their careers. It's like there's their art, their craft, whatever they do, and then there's marketing as, as if it's completely a separate thing. And I like to help, <clears throat> excuse me, help the, you know, the artist understand and really sort of integrate into their mind that marketing, it's like if you have a message if there's no way to get that message out there, like whatever the message is about of the project, if you don't have a way to get it out there, then, you know, it's just like it has to go hand in hand that this message gets out there. And so I try to to help people integrate and grasp that idea that it's not just something you do, but it's actually an integral part of the process. Um, you know, so just getting to the specific thing about a couple of things I see actors, you know, really do wrong is that first they focus on getting an agent, which that's right, that's a good thing. But once they get an agent or a manager, they expect that agent or manager to generate all their auditions. So they'll be very happy that they have gotten with someone and then they just sit around and wait and yes, they take classes, which is good, but that's not enough. They've got to continue to make efforts to meet people and to market themselves. So just sitting around and waiting for the agent to generate more auditions for them is one of the places that actors go wrong. And then, what would you suggest they do? Well, they can. For one, I I like to have actors do the paid casting director workshops. And I know that this is something that some people are not that, you know, they kind of have a philosophical disagreement with doing the paid actor, the casting director workshops. But if you you have to meet the people, and that's one way that you can be guaranteed to meet the assistants or the casting directors, but the main thing is you've got to make the connection with the people who can do something. So that's one thing. And secondly, I highly encourage people to do their own projects, even if it's short films and or their film, uh, their small projects shot on video and putting clips on YouTube so to generate their own things. So those are some of the things they can do. Oh, that's brilliant. Absolutely right. I think YouTube is one of the greatest assets we have right now. And um, I had a, a woman who worked for me who was an actress, and she, uh, on her own website, she did a monologue. Then she uploaded that to YouTube, and uh, then she started marketing herself and sending that uh, that address to her website out, 
And Melody, she got a lot of work from that. And she Is just had right? moved here from Michigan. And I was so shocked that she that walked in right. and started getting jobs ahead of people who'd been here for a long time. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I uh, Years ago when I was pursuing an acting career, and this was quite some time ago, it was back when public access was like a big thing. I did those public access shows all the time, and it was so much fun. And it was a way for me to get my creativity out there so I could do my thing and I could be creative, do improv, whatever. I did a a bunch of different types of shows. But I work with actors and I speak with actors, and a lot of them are not doing any of this kind of thing. Like, you know, really in this case it would be YouTube. It's like, why don't you just do exactly what you just said that she did? It's like you put a monologue up of, if there's nothing else, people can shoot these with their iPhones. It's like to, if if you want to be a performer, then you've got to seize these opportunities. You've got to take these opportunities to, to start doing that. And, yeah, so that's one way that actors can market themselves and get their work out there. Well, on your website, you have a list of 21 ways to make your script more commercial. Can you share a few of these with us? Absolutely. Let's see. Um, there are, you know, of course, there are so many. 21 ways. Let me pick a couple here. One of the things that I like is, you know, a, a big thing that you need to do with the script is you, I'm not going to say you have to think about casting up front, but really if you're trying to make something more commercial, the more castable you can make your lead character that is castable with a movie star then the better it is okay and but another one and a lot of people know that but another one that i like is to add in have an oddball sidekick so you just put some other kind of character who could be a great you know they could either be the uh supporting character or just a an oddball kind of uh, character that makes a cameo so you could cast that with a star. Um, or a small part. You, you could bring someone in for a day. Exactly. You know, so you can still get some of the, uh, you know, the advantage of uh, associating that star with your film, but you only pay them for a day. So you just write this great little character that makes, one or two appearances, you know, in a scene. And so that's one thing you can do to make it more commercial. Another one might be, and this is something, uh, you know, whether you're doing student films, short films, I think this would apply to a documentary, but that's definitely not my specialty. But for sure, if you're talking about a feature film, another thing that's important is to have a great production scene. So something where you're pretty much spending some money or at least it looks like you've spent a lot of money on the scene. People want to, you know, they want to see something that's exciting or detailed. Just have at least one scene, like depending on what the budget is, then you would make it, it's going to basically be your most expensive scene that you shoot. So when you see a big car chase or, you know, in Animal House, when the whole, uh, you know, when the big parade at the end or the food fight, those are big spectacle scenes. 
And whatever size of your project is, then you want to get something where you have one big scene that is your wow scene, and it can be fitting for that size of project. But that's another important thing that adds production value. So you just, you know, you um, you might have. I know when I did a film, a it actually turned out to be about a 45-minute film. We started out as a 15-minute film, and it kept expanding and it became 45 minutes. <laughs> Um, which is not a good thing because then it's too long to get in most film festivals as a short film, but too short to be a feature film. So I don't <laughs> recommend it, but that's how it went. Um, but in that, somehow the the other producer that I worked with and the director, he and his buddies had figured out a way for us to get this, um, oh, what do you, can't think of the name of it. When you, well, for one, it's a, I can't even think of the names of the shots, but it's like uh, one where they're shooting from a, a crane shot. So we had a crane shot in this film that cost us a few thousand dollars, and we also had a tracking shot. So it's like those things added production value. So when people would watch it, of course, it looks like it was a lot more expensive. So that's the kind of thing that you want to do. Add something that just looks like it costs way, way more. Yes, and a lot of times, if writers would pay attention to uh, to their shooting locale and what happens in that area, they might find a, like a strawberry festival that they could shoot. They could get the rights to go in there oh, and shoot, great. and that would add more production value. Or like you mentioned, a film that had a parade in it. Sometimes you can get a, approval to shoot a parade. All of those things give you or go to a, a amusement park and shoot there. They add so much production value to your film, but they, but you get it free or for a small fee. Yeah, that's great. I I love that idea that you're really just going to some place where obviously you're not setting up a whole big set yourself, but you go to these kind of venues and do the the shooting that gives it that look like it's a, a big set or it just adds production value just because you've got more people or you've got bigger equipment. Things that look big are part of what adds that production value, let's say as distinct from just shooting in a room. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. another one to, to make it more commercial. And then a third thing that I'll mention is that you can whenever your character is in their greatest jeopardy. So whatever, you know, I mean it could be jeopardy. It could be whether it's uh well let's just say in an action film or a you know, a drama when they're in the greatest jeopardy, have them make an understatement about the situation. So they're um surrounded by snakes and they're about to be smashed by some, you know, closing walls. And they look around and say, this was not in the travel brochure. You know, <laughs> so they make some kind of understatement. And it provides that comic relief. And it just, um, yeah, it just overall, it's like that kind of thing catches us by surprise when we're reading it or watching it. And, and it definitely adds to this sort of commercial quality. Right, right. Good tip, yes. Um, all right, so the biggest question that I hear from actors and screenwriters is, how do I get an agent? So can you tell us what Smart Girls recommends? Okay, yeah, that is 
pretty much the biggest question that both actors and screenwriters have, and it, there are actually different answers for actors and screenwriters. For actors, you know, there is commercial agent. I mean, there, you know, there's a commercial agent, and you also need a theatrical agent. I'm sure most of your listeners know this. Um, the commercial agent, of course, is for commercials, just like it sounds, and then the theatrical would be for film and television. It's a lot easier for actors to get commercial representation just because with that, it has so much more to do with a look, and agencies tend to have far more commercial actors on their roster than theatrical. And there just simply are a lot more auditions for commercials than for theatrical. So to get them, I mean, well, I can tell you what, what we do for actors, we simply write a cover letter and then we keep track of all the agents and, and managers and we have them rated so we will, we ha- and we have them categorized. So uh, with this, we will write a cover letter for an actor and pick out the best people and then show them how to put together a their mailing with their headshot and resume and then mail it out and they... Most we have like an eighty percent success rate in helping them get agents, so that's pretty straightforward. Of course, actors wow. can also. Melody, yeah. that's incredible. That's a high rate. Yeah. yeah, it it's it's probably higher than eighty. I mean, it is higher than eighty percent for commercials, and probably a little bit lower than eighty percent for theatrical. Uh, you know, but it averages out to be eighty percent. Or more. Uh, so yeah, that's for actors. And then for screenwriters, it's a little bit different. And Carol, you probably know this. I I don't know how much you get involved with, uh, you know, agents for your filmmakers that you work with. But for screenwriters, they have, especially if they're newer, they have a much better chance of getting with a manager than an agent, a literary agent like. What I've found over the years in doing this that it's becoming more and more of a closed door to literary agents. You know, we've, we've always known that getting an agent is not easy for screenwriters, but I've just found that it's, that it's becoming more and more of a closed door. However, there are a lot more literary managers who can help with screenwriters. And to get a manager... For screenwriters, and by the way, I recommend that screenwriters market to producers before they try to get a literary manager because, again, it's still, even though they're more accessible than agents, it's still a challenge to get a literary agent to take you on. And But let's say that you want to try to get a literary agent. You can do it. Again, we do email query blasts, and we keep track of all this agents and managers and lots of production companies. So we just simply write an email query and then select a targeted group to blast the email out. And then we also do query letter marketing. And, uh, you know, query letters have been something that writers have sent for years and years. And when we do that, we we help you write the query letter, and then we have a very, very targeted list that we will pick people out for your specific screenplay to target. So those are two ways that you can try to get a literary 
manager or get your scripts out to production companies. And then there are also things like pitch fests that go on around town, like events where it might be some kind of, um, you know, screenwriters event, like a screenwriters expo or the, um, you know, some kind of pitch fest event where there will be seminars and training, and then they will have a whole group of producers, agents, managers, or their assistants be available for screenwriters to pitch to. So that's another way. So there are a few things like that. And if you are in Los Angeles, of course, I always recommend that you go to as many networking events as possible to meet people. And out of all of this, it's most important to begin to network and build relationships. Yes. Building relationships in Hollywood is so important, and it's lots of fun, because uh, after having had a long relationship with Hollywood, um, the guys that I started when I first started my business, uh, they were um, salespeople, and pretty soon, five, ten years later, they were vice presidents or presidents. Or they ran the entire, uh, like, distribution for Maxell or someone. And it was so much fun. You could pick up the phone and get the president of Maxell on the call <laughs> because he yeah, was a 10-year exactly. friend. And that's the, that's how Hollywood runs, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. And it is so much fun. It's like, wow, you know, I I was in acting class or improv class or screenwriting class with this guy, and now he's there or she's up there. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a lot of fun to watch everybody move up in the industry. Well, I want you to tell everybody about your free 2015 Top 20 Literary Agents list that you give away. That's nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what I do every year, I've been doing this, I think this is the eighth year now, That, and I actually have it both for literary agents and talent agents. And every year we go through and we have our secret algorithm for how we come up, who are the top agents and who are the top, well, talent agents and who are the top literary agents. And I have, you know, I created this way for us to identify not only the biggest agencies, like we know, and again, probably a lot of your listeners know, that some of the biggest agencies are CAA, ICM, WME, uh, you know, William Morris Endeavor, UTA, Paradigm. So the list that we come up with, it does not include just those biggest agencies. There's another way that we find out who are some of the smaller agencies or management companies, and, and they make it onto the list as well. So people can get that. It's a free listing that they can download. You just go to our website, smartg.com, and on that front page, there's a link for actors and there's one for writers. And you just click on that link and enter your email, then you get that list. And it will have the, the top 20 talent agents or the top 20 literary agents. And, and it's a good list. For one, it helps you know who are the big agencies and not just the agencies themselves, but the individuals. And then secondly, who are the up-and-comers or who are the people who sort of made it onto the list that you need to keep an eye out for. So whether you're ready for them or not, it's good to know who they are. Exactly. It is. Yeah, now, so give us, can you please give us some tips on pitching your script? 
Well, yeah. Okay. Let's see here. Um, one of the most important things that I would say that, you know, because I coach writers on pitching, and one of the things I see that they don't do is that, number one, they will memorize it, which is fine. But secondly, what you need to do is, it's, you know, this is why actors can be so good at pitching sometimes, is that you need to really be seeing your screenplay. You need to be seeing your story, basically, as you're telling it. So it's just like when, you know, if you talk about, oh, yesterday I went to the store and I was standing in line and this guy comes up to me and says, whatever. When you're telling that, it's like you're back present in that moment. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're actually recalling it and you're feeling it and you're remembering how you felt or what was said. It's like you're in that moment. Yes. So as you're pitching, you need to be present to it and really visualizing or sort of thinking of it almost like you're in it. But of course you are telling about it, but you just it's gotta you gotta be present and really visualizing it. So that's one of the things that you can do to to pitch and uh you know to help the pitch come to life. Another really important thing is that a lot of times when people pitch they get so concerned about how they're doing and such that they go on kind of an automatic and they are actually pitching at the person instead of to them and engaging with them. So another important tip is that you're connecting with the person that's sitting across from you. And, you know, if you see them falling asleep or if they get a look like a question mark on their face and you could say, is something was something not clear? You know, you can actually engage with them. So you're not just pitching at them but you're pitching to them or you're really engaging in a conversation. So that's another thing that I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people need to keep in mind. Absolutely. I totally agree. And and uh, I think a good pitch is under two minutes, but it is, like you said, it's a visual description of your film, and then uh, it should elicit some questions. And so you... Yeah. You want somebody to say, well, does that mean this or that? And then you can come back with actually the second half of your pitch and give it, give them that. And I sometimes tell them that you can do like a, a politician does and beg the issue, meaning that if they ask you a question but you still need to tell them more that you didn't get out in the first part of the pitch, you can sort of segue around the answer and give them more information that might cover that question. Uh, because you have, they're listening now is the point, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, another good tip, too, is that, you know, and this kind of goes back to not having enough time or, or whatever. One of the things that I find is that a lot of times writers don't necessarily know their theme or exactly what it's about. Like, obviously, they know what the story is, but it's like, it's kind of like, so your point is, like, what is the point? So that would be another thing, to know what your theme is, like, what it's really about. And once you know that, another sort of um, way to fix a problem is, let's say that you're in the middle of a pitch, 
and you've kind of gotten lost or you feel like you've gone too much in detail, you've kind of gotten off point, then a good way to sort of bring it back onto the rails is to simply say something to the effect of, so in the end, he learns <laughs> that, you know, so the real point is that blah, 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 you know, so you can spell it out then, and it really does bring it all together. And so you need to know what your theme is, not only because you need it, but it, it just is, it's more like the glue and the focus. It it helps you see, or helps your, in pitching, case of pitching, it helps them see what the focus is. What the focus of the film is, right. And I always say there's three things we want here in this film grant. Story, story, story. You know, tell me a uh-huh. compelling story. That's what we love. You know, and that's, and that's what you want in a pitch, right, Melody? Yes. And, you know, and even when you said that about story, you know, the particular element that I see a lot of writers leave out or they don't hit on enough is they don't touch upon the conflict nearly enough. So they'll kind of give an idea about the stories about this man who goes from here to New York and he, you know, hitches a ride on various trains and has trouble finding them, whatever. It's like, okay, well, what's the conflict? It's like we get kind of the essence, you know, sort of the through line that this is what's happening. But what? where's the conflict? Is that he comes across, you know, some thugs who are going to beat him up? Or does he come across a, you know, an old girlfriend? You know, so it's to hit on that conflict and to make sure that you really emphasize the conflict. Otherwise, you have no story. Exactly. It's not as interesting at all. Right. Well, I know you've got this wealth of knowledge and I, and that you've been helping writers for years. And so can you tell us some of your paid services at smartg.com that can help screenwriters and actors in their marketing? Okay, sure. Yeah, um, it, is, it is a bit like I touched on, you know, a little bit ago in – uh, you know, in writers marketing them or trying to get an agent. And that is we really have two key services for actors, and that is helping them get an agent and helping them get a manager or both. And with that, again, um, you know, I really have an actor fill out a complete total profile on what credits they have and really what their casting is. And a lot of times just going through this process is so important because, it's a, it has to do with branding. You know, it's like you got to really think through how are you, you know, what is setting you apart or what distinguishes you as an actor. So they do that, and then from that and their resume and headshot, we'll write a cover letter for them. And I keep, I've been keeping track of the agents and managers for years. I have them all rated A, B, C, D according to their levels of clout. So, uh, you know, I'll pick out the best ones for that agent or manager, I mean, for that actor, and then uh, print letters. So they'll get cover letters and send them out. And, you know, people still ask me, well, do do those still work given that so much is online? And, yeah, in fact, for agents and managers, they do still work. You know, people get calls all the time. And you do still need to have a great headshot. So that's what we do for actors, agents and manager mailings. And then for the screenwriters, we do email query blasts, and with um, 
you know, whether it's for the email query blast or the hard copy query letters, we keep track of all the producers, the, the production companies, and the literary agents and managers. And then depending on where that screenwriter is in their career, and we do look, work with a lot of, um, you know, not unproduced screenwriters. I mean, that's mostly what we work with, although some of them have had things produced. And for them, we work with them on really crafting their pitch in the email or for the um, hard copy query letter, and then I pick out the best people for them to target. And then for the email query, a lot of people don't realize that your subject line is very, very important. And that's one of the things that I found that has helped, um, you know, help the email queries be successful is that we come up with a great killer subject line because you've got to get those emails open to even have a chance. So, yeah, so those are the things, the agent manager mailing for actors and email queries and hard copy query letters for screenwriters. And thank it's you for the uh, subject line that gets them to open the email. That is so smart. Yes, um, because I, I write blogs and I have an editor, and he is a genius, Melody, at coming up with crazy titles that you think uh, you may take one little essence of the of uh, what I've written about, but he can come up with something that tweaks your imagination. You have to read it because yeah. <laughs> of the title, yeah. and that's the it, secret, isn't it? You have to get them interested. It, it really is. I, I will say that it, you know, it's one thing, like when I create my own blog articles and such, that's one thing, and it's. It, I think it's a little bit easier to come up with something if we're writing an article because we're writing something, you know, we're writing on nonfiction kinds of things. When it comes to screenwriters, it's a little bit trickier because you have to, you know, when you come up with a subject line, it's got to be something that uh, accurately represents what's inside so you can't just be completely misleading. But at the same time, if you just put the title of your script, it's not very interesting in and of itself. And so some right. of the subject lines that, you know, that we've come up with or that I've come up with for my clients would be things that it might be the winner of a certain award or, uh, you know, a USC graduate. And not just USC graduate, but like certain things that, tell about who the writer is that may be intriguing enough to get them to open it. So there, you know, that one's a little bit tricky when it comes to screenwriters marketing their screenplay. Yeah. Yeah, that's You brilliant. know, like one thing not, if I can give you a not to do on your subject line. Yeah. Is, you know, sometimes writers will say, because they'll say, what do you picture could be a good subject line? Just to, sometimes it'll help me come up with something for them, and I just want to see their, where their mindset is. And what is not a good way to do it is Academy Award winner inside when it's just you talking about your script. Right. Because that's misleading. If you are for real, then I uh -huh. would say, you know, asterisk, you know, real Oscar winner or something like that. So, uh, but yes. Yeah. Just thought of one of the not to do's on your subject line. It is so important. Okay. Okay, well, continuing with more insights, 
Uh, one of my favorites in your list of free information is how to become more effective at networking, meeting people, and keeping in touch. Everyone knows that they need to network, but many people worry about this, and they think they're not very good at it. So can you give us some tips? Oh, sure. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, misconceptions about networking is, oh, i got to, you know, go someplace and do some networking. And it's like they have this idea of what it looks like. And, you know, and they think it's just to go there and introduce yourself and hope and give some a card out and hope something happens. And that's not it. Years ago, I was at some, uh, I was at a networking event in Beverly Hills. And I, I had not been that crazy about going there, but a friend of mine was hosting it. So I thought, well, I did say I would go. So I went. And I just thought, I'll just, you know, kind of, be here, and I'm not really going to promote myself, but I'm going to listen to what people say. So I stand in a, there were three of us standing in a circle, and someone comes by and just, she pokes her head in the circle and says, hi, I don't want to interrupt you guys, but here's my card in case you need whatever it was that I thought. I'm so glad I came. That's a perfect example that I will forever now use about how not to do it. Like, that is how not to do it. It's like, okay, let me make sure that I never do business with this person. Um, you, know, I, you know, but that's all not to do it. The biggest thing is, you know, so now what do you do instead? The, so that's the misconception, how it really needs to be done, and the focus is truly on building relationships over time. You know, I wish it would be different because I tend to like to sit at my computer and just interact online and and through, you know, that way. But the reality is you've got to build relationships over time. And one of the ways you can begin to do that is, well, first, obviously, you've got to meet the people. But the other thing is to just find something in common and listen for having something in common when you're having a conversation. So if you go to a networking event, I mean, one of the common questions is, you know, is this, do you t attend a lot of networking events? I mean, those are, you know, that's not brain science to come up with a question like that. But it is an opening to get the conversation going. And then you can also even, uh, you know, come up with something. If you want to get a little bit more, I don't know how creative it is, but let's just say you want to sort of expand the conversation a little bit. It's like, uh, you know, rather than, again, questions you might expect, like, what's your latest film? Like, instead of something like that, it's like, so, do you um, happen to do much traveling for your filmmaking? So, you know, one of the distinction is you can bring a couple of unrelated topics together. So I'm not just saying, oh, do you do much traveling? But I'm actually tying it in uh, with, Filmmaking. You ever do much traveling for your filmmaking? Ever go to any film festivals? You know, so right. That's it, a good it's a way. Yeah, and when you when you come up with something like that, it opens up the conversation, and then they say, "Oh yeah, I went to, you know, the film festival in Atlanta, and oh yeah, did you get a chance to see the city? You know, so it's like you're not only talking about filmmaking." 
but you're starting to talk about other things. And so many times, somehow the way the universe works, synchronistic kinds of connections can then start to happen. But you've got to engage in the conversation and take it beyond just the matter at hand, if that you know makes sense. It does, and those are great ideas. But how do you get into a group to start talking? When I go sometimes, I'm very shy, believe it or not, and and everybody seems to have somebody to talk to. I always feel like I would be interrupting. So how do you get into a group of people uh, to talk, or how how do you get started? That's a great question, because I think that is something a lot of people um okay if you're at a networking event people know that it's a networking event and so you can just walk up let's say that you see two or three people in a circle talking you could just walk up and again i would not necessarily interrupt the flow of the conversation because that is you know if you did then that's going to be it's going to interrupt and they may not like that. But let's say that you walk into a circle of three people. If it's just two, you got to kind of sense whether they're engaged in a deep conversation or not about some topic topic that's just specific to them. But if they're kind of casually talking, it would be okay to go to them. But let's say you walk up and you just kind of listen to the conversation first. Obviously, if, again, if you find that they're in a conversation that sounds more personal between the two of them, then you can just then walk away just as easily. But let's say it's just sort of general chatter. You can just stand there, and they may say, oh, hi, you know, um, what's your name? They may say something. Or you can wait for the opportunity to make a comment on something that they say, you know, using that example that I said about the film festivals. Right. And if they're talking about that, you could make a comment on it, even if you didn't go to that festival. You know, they're talking about Cannes. It's like, oh, I, had, I haven't been there. It just sounds like so much fun. Did you get to see, did you go to a lot of the parties? Or, you know, you just engage in the conversation. And then over time, something will come up that that actually, you know, you would have in common in, in the sense that you may contribute. Because it's also... When you have those conversations, finding that commonality, and really this is the key, Carol, is listening for any way that you might help them. Oh, so, great. What a wonderful idea. Yes, of course. You With know, your knowledge, they, because we all carry our own individual information and knowledge, right. Yes. So, yeah, so just listening for it might be that you have – certain information, like, oh, yeah, I came across this link when I was on the Internet the other day. I'll send it to you later. You get their card. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, that is, like, for anyone listening, like, this is something to highlight with your marker is to listen for how you can help somebody else because that's where you begin to build the relationship. And exactly. it also shows you as being a resource. Instead of you just being there hoping you get cast as an actor or hoping that you get hired as a writer, keeping your fingers crossed, no, you're actually generating and providing value 
that they're not necessarily going to find somewhere else. Good. Thank you. That's a great idea. Um, I, I noticed on your website that you tell us, uh, you, get, you give tips on how to become more confident. Um, and I think this is of the highest importance in Hollywood. So tell us some, one or two of those tips, too, please, Melody. Okay. Um, let's see. You know, I think, you know, this is where, you know, when you talk about becoming more confident, there's, you know, kind of a, we'll say something that's, you know, a little bit more superficial, which is just to walk into a room and, you know, actually here's a good one that I think, you know, people can adopt pretty quickly. When I work with actors sometimes, we'll do, one of the things I do is a mock agent interview. And so they will come to my office and then we really go through that whole process of pretending that an agent, you know, called them in and then I ask them questions. And if they're pretty good at answering them, I make the questions harder. And if I find that they come in and they're just nervous and in their head and, you know, worried because it's a business setting and what have you, then one of the things I do is I coach, I ask them who their favorite actor is, like who do they admire? And, you know, and a lot of times, um, you know, or who do they see as confident, something like that. And it's like, okay, I want you to walk in, in the being of that person so that, you come in like you are already a star. Like, I'm excited to interview you. But the key is, it's not to just pretend you're a snooty star. <laughs> but, to, you know, and I'm not saying stars are snooty, but not to pretend and be that way, but to allow yourself to be seen. Like, I think of someone like Jennifer Lopez and, or George Clooney. They know that people love to see them. They love to inspect them. If they go anywhere, people are looking them up and down in every, you know, thread of whatever clothing they have on, everything. And they know this, and they allow themselves to be seen. And they know that people are sort of eating them up with their eyes. So I practice with the actor to come in, and to just know that I am excited to meet you because you're a star. Now, again, this is not pretending. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's not like it's not pretending that you're that person, but it gives you access to coming in with confidence. You know, so that's yes. one exercise. And really, you can do that anytime. And when you do that, because you are you expressing that, you don't come across as one of these stars, you actually come across as yourself being a star. That is so smart that you just take on the persona of the person that you admire the most and you're there. I love it. Yeah, and, and you tap into that quality. You know, and I, I do want to mention one other thing about the confidence. I mean, ultimately, I completely believe in personal development and, you know, as was written on the Oracle at Delphi in Greece, you know, uh, millennia ago, know thyself. And it's really, you just got to, I just highly encourage people to continue to do personal development work to mm -hmm. get to, you know, the stuff that's in the way of you expressing yourself fully and being confident. So 
I mean, I'm just going to leave it at that. Obviously, there's so much that we could delve into on that. But, yeah, you just got to keep doing the work. And acting classes, you know, acting classes, a lot of times they do that kind of work, which is why actors love it so much. Yes, that's brilliant. Well, um, we're not going to get to all the questions I had today, but I'm so happy that we have had this experience So what I really need you to do at this point, if you would, is to share some of the additional things that you do for customers to market and brand them, please. I may have asked this before, but I think it's really worth repeating. Anything that you do, we'd love to hear. Oh, okay. Well, um, you know, as I did mention before, I won't go into depth, but the, you know, agent and manager mailings for actors, you know, the cover letter mailings, and for screenwriters, the hard copy query letters and email queries, and I also do script analysis and, um, you know, to make sure the script is Tell me about that, because this is the biggest problem that I have with filmmakers is uh, when they come in with the script and you say, well, do you have any comments? Oh, yes, my teacher uh, has a no-no. That's not going to work. Well, oh, my family loved it. My best friends, no, that won't work. Right. written comments, and uh, so tell us about that aspect. That's the most important thing for a screenwriter. You know, it really is, and I don't even know why I didn't mention it. Um, My, well, I mean, the script has to be great. Uh, Well, I mean, that's very subjective, but one of the things that I bring to the table when I'm reviewing a script is that I really listen for the truth about the human experience. My my PhD is in mythological studies and for that, you know, we it was all about delving into stories, the the myths of people around the world and exploring the deepest level of how a story affects or what it reveals about the human experience. Okay, so when I read a screenplay, then I I read it first from kind of a, a right brain, just getting into the world and sort of flowing with the story. But a lot of times scripts are written in a way that I can feel that the writer is self-conscious in their writing, like they haven't really let go. And I'm stuck in my head because, they're in their head in writing. And then at other times, I just feel myself being pulled completely into the story. So when I read it at first, I'm trying to let my right brain flow, and I'm not even analyzing. I mean, I'm not, you know, sort of doing the left brain analytical part, but sometimes scripts are just so not in that space, the real world of the story, that I, you know, I'm not even getting there, and it's it's a challenge to get through the script. But then on the second pass, I look at it from a left brain. Like I may have a great experience when I read it, but then I've got to sort of elevate and see it, look at the, we'll say the mechanics and a little bit more of the architecture of the script. Because when you, you know, all these rules about the three-act structure and the, you know, the save-the-cat moments and all of yes. these, all of, all of those are pointing toward how to make a script and ultimately a story or the movie 
impactful and uh, and more universal. So we're moving toward making any given script more impactful and more universal so more people like it. So that's what, uh, you know, you read with the right brain and get in the feeling of it and then work on it from the left brain to begin to elevate it to the next level. So you got to go back and forth between those two spaces, whether it's the writer or that's what I, and that's what I do as a script analyst. And okay. That yeah. is great. All right. So and that information is on your website too or they can call you. Um what yes. is your you want to give us the phone number and the email address, please? Sure. Um so the Smart Girls Productions phone number is 818 818- Nine zero seven six five one one. Our website is smartg.com, and that's smart G as in George or girls. Smartg.com, and our email address is smartgirls at smartg.com. Fantastic! Oh, thank you so much for all the years you've been there for us with the film grant, helping all of our winners. And for what you do for people, I I think My anybody pleasure. who's listening to this call will be shocked when you go to Melody's website and you see how much information she gives you for free. It's a great gift. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Carol. And I, I have to tell you, I just loved being a part of the Roy E. Dean Grant for so many years. I love what you do. And also, you know, you have, you talk, you help uh, filmmakers raise money. You trained them on that, and I just think, you know, likewise, just what you're doing, I just, you know, so appreciate it and just, you know, value it greatly. And I love that you make that available for them. Thank you. And my daughter Carol says hello. Oh, she really good. Is getting to visit you on occasion. It's great. Well, tell her I said hello too, and it's just great talking to you guys. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you, Claire. Lots of thank you, you for having me on. Okay. Take care. Melody. Yes, thank you both. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.